0: This is a podcast about new crops. You're gonna love it. Join us on The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin.
1: I'm laughing, I, I visited farmer's markets where they were selling aronia, excuse me, elderberry stuff. And I, I said, hey, have you ever tried an aronia berry? Because one, we're better from a health benefit standpoint of all the nutrients we've got in there. And two, it's a lot easier to grow and harvest than it is an elderberry.
2: Welcome to another episode of The Cutting Edge, a podcast in search of new crops for Wisconsin. I'm Stefan Mursky, outreach specialist for emerging crops with UW Madison Extension. I'll be your host today, and co-hosting with me is Jordan Schuler, Extension Educator for Jefferson, Rock, and Walworth counties. How's it going, Jordan? Going good, Stefan. Excited to be here and learn about some aronia berries. Cool, cool. Me too. A quick interruption to say that Jordan's internet went out shortly after we started recording, so if you're wondering why she's so quiet, now you know. Okay, back to the intro. So today's episode is all about aronia berries, and specifically the markets for aronia. We have two guests with us today to help us explore that topic. Dale Hilgenkamp is an aronia farmer and president of the American Aronia Berry Association, Alongside him is Dean Duvall, chair of the research committee for the association. And I'll have both of them introduce themselves and give a little background on their experience with Aronia. Dale, do you want to go first?
0: Yes, I'd be glad to. We live approximately 35 miles northwest of Omaha, Nebraska. I've been a grain farmer my whole life. we first planted our aronia berries in uh, 2009, so we've been at it for a while, uh, enjoy growing them. Uh, I've been on the uh, board of the, uh, formerly the Midwest Aronia Association, we changed our name a couple of years ago to the American Aronia Berry Association to give it, uh, broaden its scope a little bit. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've been on the board for about four years i guess so far Uh, the last two years i've served as president and uh, we're just trying to do what we can to promote uh, the aronia berry and gain some uh, market uh, you know penetration
2: great thanks dale um dean do you want to introduce yourself and give us some background on your experience and your role
1: with the association certainly um i'm a (laughs) i grew up on a farm in northwest iowa about 65 miles now uh, north of Omaha, and I kind of switched careers, uh, went to graduate school at Iowa State, got a doctorate in chemistry, worked for Procter & Gamble for 32 years, also taught some at uh, the University of Cincinnati, and I got interested in Aronia, and we started planning them around 2015, And my interest in it was from a health standpoint, Um, I had heard about the health benefits, I knew it was very high in uh, the phytochemicals. And so I've been kind of exploring that part as well as trying to grow them. And I've been on the board, I think about a year and a half now. And what I try to do is share information, uh, identify what's needed or what, what's out there from a scientific publication standpoint, share it with our growers and, and people that are trying to sell the berries. Um, I'm also currently looking at the patent literature, trying to understand, you know, what, what companies are interested in uh, aronia berries, who's trying to protect what and so forth. And, and again, it's about sharing information more than anything. Uh, But I personally, I grow the berries, I eat the berries, I've seen the health benefits personally, and so I'm an advocate of it. But I also realize, having worked for Proctor for 30-some years, that you can't get something to market unless you get everything right, uh, from the technology to the products to the message to the supply chain, et cetera. And that's part of the challenge uh, that we face going forward, is how do you get everything right for a berry that frankly is astringent it, it when you put it in your mouth it makes you pucker because of, of the chemistry but that's also that one of the health reasons i mean it's it's makes you pucker because there's so much health benefit chemistry in the berry
2: yeah um can you can you talk about uh, like what what are some of the products that aronias are used in um since they're so astringent i'm assuming they're not really much of a fresh eating berry but um what kind of things do they do they work well in
1: well, in Europe, which has that's where the majority of the market is, you see them uh, being used in wines, in jams and jellies, in um, uh, syrups, also, uh, you know, supplements, um, whether it's a powdered capsule, uh, I've seen it used in yogurts and breakfast drinks and so forth as well. It's also used as a uh, natural food dye because it's a very dark, intense, blue, purplish color.
0: Yeah, I agree with Gene, too. Like, I think primarily in the U.S., uh, the biggest product so far has been the juice, either in, uh, you know, just straight juice or in a concentrate form. Uh, Another big thing that's uh, coming on is like aronia powder, uh, you know, to be used as an ingredient in other products. And just lately, uh, you know, the gummies have really become popular in all you know, kinds of uh, supplements and uh, so forth. And uh, there's starting to be some of those up uh, here in the market as well.
2: Yeah. Can Can you two just give like a, a broad market assessment of like where where we are today with, with Aronia? Um, what are the main markets?
0: Well, I can give you a little bit of our history. You know, like you said, it takes about, you know, three to four years to get in a significant production and initially we belonged to a an aronia co-op you know we got a bunch of uh, growers together uh that probably survived for maybe two to three years and then it failed then we got involved with a another group uh of growers that uh you know we, this individual was retained to like you know market the berries for us We were involved with that for about three years, but nothing was happening. They were unable to really uh, make any significant sales there. Then we joined uh, another group. Actually, they were based out of Wisconsin that really had some success in uh, getting a market organized. They were affiliated with a company, had a juice product going. They were making payments on a monthly basis, which everything was looking good. Then COVID hit. And that company, uh, you know, of course, their sales dwindled and they evidently eventually were forced out of business. And the company, the group that we were affiliated with, uh, you know, they took a big loss. They were unable to pay them for the berries. So consequently, we weren't being paid and they didn't have the sufficient capital to weather that. So that is uh, that failed also. And just within the last year or two, there's been uh, a couple of individuals that have uh, assembled some teams, you know, in research and, uh, you know, finances uh, have launched a a couple of serious campaigns to introduce uh, some products. And uh, so it's looking, I think, better than it has for quite some time. But, uh, you know, it just uh, I think that's the, the main thing. You know, people have failed because of the lack of capital and it's so expensive to as Dean alluded to, to get products developed uh,
1: and you know promote them, so that's kind of where we're at right now. I think the people that are being most successful right now are people that are already attuned to agritourism. So you know whatever their business is, whether it's having a vineyard and a winery on site, or going to farmers' markets and so forth to, to get started, those people tend to do the best because. They understand the process. They control their own supply chain. They control their own business, and I've seen um, uh, a, 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 one example of one uh, couple that uh, they started out with uh, energy bars, and they've expanded into uh, supplements and so forth. They've done well. Um, that that company is out in Colorado. There's another one in Missouri that's more of a traditional agritourism, where people come visit their farm and, and, you know, they'll come out of St. Louis or Kansas City. And so that model has been very successful. Uh, The model where people are trying to go go big and so forth, I, I see some of those failing in terms of not having the proper product, not having the proper price controls, not having the proper supply chain. And the people that tend to get burnt the worst on it are the farmers because you know we we've grown the berry, we've invested in growing them, harvesting them, and cleaning them and so forth, and then we don't get money back, and so that that's kind of a catch twenty two. Now that's not to say big companies aren't interested. Uh, I continue to see that, and certainly when I look at the top uh, patent assignees related to aronia Berry, we're talking about big multinational food companies, uh, drink companies, and so forth. As um, so. That's, and it's public knowledge, but they seem to be interested, but that part, there's a catch 22 in terms of for a big company to get involved and to create a product or a brand, they need to have a big supply and the supply chain isn't there yet. And so it's kind of the the horse and the buggy question, which comes first or the horse and the cart, but um, they're, they're wanting to see more production and. Farmers are wanting to see a big interest from somebody big so they know it's gonna take off. And I think there's a happy medium or a way you get started before you get to that with smaller smaller fields, smaller production, and just gaining the awareness out there. And a, a winery that I was talking to last year, or that was earlier this year in central Iowa, uh, when they started with their berries, and they, they've also got a nice vineyard, but they started growing aronia berries, and in 2013, none of their customers had ever heard of Aronia. And when I talked to them earlier this year, they said now about 60% of their customers have heard of Veronia and are at least willing to try the wine. And so, education's part of it, um, supply chain's part of it. I mean, there, there's a lot of pieces that have to come together. But at least it's looking brighter than it has been um, over the last I don't know, at least five, eight years with my experience. Dale, you want to comment on that?
0: Oh, I think you're exactly right. Uh, you know, the big companies, uh, the supply isn't there at the present time for them to, uh, you know, jump into the market to satisfy their needs. But on the other hand, people aren't willing to grow more until there's a market. So we're kind of going back and forth between those two states. And uh, yeah, I agree. The smaller producers that are doing well, you know, with farmers markets, you uh, you know, people coming out to the farm. But if you're growing any significant amount, you know, those aren't really practical. I mean, it's uh, it's not a big enough market to, uh, to absorb, you know, a large uh, production. So uh, that's what we're trying to overcome right now.
2: So are you seeing growers um, kind of grow on like both sides of the Uh, like uh, either side of the spectrum, like very large scale to sell to wholesale markets and then small scale growers to sell direct to consumers Um, or which, what kind of scale are, are people growing at and what is, what scale is successful?
0: Well, in the last few years, I mean, the majority of growers haven't even harvested their crops because there's just been no markets for them. So there really isn't a good wholesale market. I mean, you can't call somebody up and say, hey, I've got, uh, you know, X amount of pounds of berries. What's the price? I mean, it's just not there yet. So, I mean, those groups that are finding success are, you know, growers kind of band together and uh, with their production so they can approach some of these bigger markets. And the small producers, it's very difficult for them because, uh, you know, they probably don't have a harvester. They have to hire custom done, and also the transportation expense. Most of these are transported in you know uh, large semi reefers. So I mean, if you've got you know just a few thousand pounds, or you know it's it's hard to pool those together with other growers uh, to get them shipped as well.
1: Yeah, I think there's kind of a break point in. I mean, I would strongly encourage people not putting a lot of money into putting a bunch of acres into berry production. Um, And I'm I'm trying to remember, Dale, I don't remember the number exactly, what our median uh, production is or number of bushes. That's normally how we uh, kind of count the size. Um, But I, I think it was around 1,500 bushes is median. And you can't afford to harvest or to ship or, you know, to be a large production with that. But it gets you started. If I mean, if, if you have say five hundred bushes in the ground, you're, or or a thousand, you're you're talking about an acre. You want to have a plant about nine hundred to a thousand bushes an acre, and that's enough to get you started to do the the small stuff. But it's not enough to really be involved in big production. But it's easy to propagate these plants once they're four or five years old. If you decide, okay, hey, I've had them in the ground three to four years. The business is now taken off. You can You know, take cuttings from the bushes you've got, and you can quickly propagate up. But we've got uh, members that have 30 to 75 acres, you know, so a lot of bushes. And they have to go by way of trying to sell to wholesalers, but they can also afford to buy a harvester to bring in a reefer. I I think the break point on a reefer is going to be probably 4,500 bushes. Um, Because that, if you're getting 10 pounds of bush, that's enough to fill a reefer, and then you can start uh, selling to a wholesaler. So it's kind of like, you know, what's your business model? And I, first and foremost, even though I'm a chemist, by training, I think as a business person, it's been hammered into me over the last 30-some years working with Proctor. And if your business model is small-scale to get started, to learn the business, uh, to learn the berry, to learn how to grow the bushes and and produce berries – I wouldn't get overly excited about, you know, jumping in full foot or with both feet. But if you want to, um, you know, if, if you've got a market, if, you, if you're, and, and there's people that do all the clean harvesting up in Wisconsin, that's one of the nice things about your area. You, you Because of the cranberry production and so forth, and the other small fruit production, you've got some ready-made industry in there. It's just a question of whether the market's going to take off. Um, but there's a lot to learn when you get started. And so I would encourage not to invest you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to get started. I would suggest joining an association, go and visiting some Aronia farms, learning how people are producing it and what the issues are, and then decide whether or not you, you want to sm- uh, start small scale, you want to start large, and, and whether you've got a market or, or if you think the market's going to take off in the next five years
2: do most people starting off that want to start small, do they typically pick diverse berries or are they just in on Aronia or just in on another
0: berry crop? I think there's some of each, uh, you know, I'm aware of several places that they grow, you know, maybe blackberries, strawberries, grapes that have kind of heard about Aronia and planted them. But, uh, I think most of the people in our association, they're just, uh, you know, they have an acreage or, you know, they take off a few acres from their farm, regular farm and plant Aronia. Uh, It's kind of to get started. I mean, we've seen people fail on both ends of the spectrum. A lot of small producers have tore up their plants or just don't harvest them, but because it's not uh, that big of a financial commitment for them, but also on the other hand, I've heard of large, you know, hundred acre Aronia farms that uh, were commercialized and, uh, have gone out of business. I mean, it just, uh, there was just no market there. So another big thing we face is, uh, you know, most of the world's production is grown in Poland and they export, you know, most of their crop all over the world, either as a concentrate uh, or things. And, uh, you know, their farmers are subsidized by the government. So it's really hard to compete with that here when people can just import it for, you know, a fraction of, uh, of what they would have to pay here.
1: I think, and it's also a piece, you know, as we're going forwards, I I think it's a matter of understanding what are the uh, pieces we're missing. Um, For instance, Dale talked about the production in Poland. I think it's, what, 90, 95% of the world's production is in Poland. They'll freeze a lot of their berries. And some of the supplement companies in the U.S. are actually buying those berries, shipping them to China to be uh, processed for extracts getting the extract shipped to the U S and then they're selling the extract. I was like, okay, wait a minute. What What's missing in our supply chain so that we cannot compete on that. And I think that's where being close to the food industry or the, the, the juice and the berry industry, like the folks in Wisconsin, you can sort through what are your missing pieces and can you borrow from other small berry or small fruit industries uh, such as extracting, uh, freeze drying and so forth, or, however else you want to process it. And I I think it's getting those pieces together. And that's, I mean, I was the technology leader for Febreze when we launched nationally and internationally. And what I learned is you really have to pay attention to your supply chain, but you have to get all the other elements right. What's the product you're selling? What's your marketing? Who's your target consumer? What's your brand? How are you going to get it there? And I see people are, are starting to do better when it comes to, like, the quality of the juice and so forth. But if you're selling juice, what are you doing with the pumice? Um, you know, c- can you make more money off from your side product or your waste streams and so forth? Uh, are you controlling your costs on shipping, logistics, uh, processing, and so forth? So there's a lot of business questions that a small producer has to figure out if you want to produce produce. You know enough to go to wholesale.
2: You mentioned um, the that cranberries uh, in Wisconsin that there might be some some sharing of resources or some some overlap between aronia's and, and equipment. That I'm just curious if you can talk a little bit in more detail about how that that industry in Wisconsin might benefit the or that might benefit the aronia uh, producers.
0: I mean, we shipped uh, berries up to Wisconsin before, and like Dean mentioned earlier, I mean, it's a great fit for Wisconsin because uh, you know the seasons are a little bit different from cranberry to aronia. So when they're done with cranberry, I mean, they can switch their processing lines over to cleaning and destemming over to aronia. They've got the labor force, they've got the equipment, uh, and they've also got uh, plenty of cold storage right in in a small area there. So I mean, it's uh, it's really a good location cold storage rates are a lot cheaper in Wisconsin than they are here in the Midwest, uh, which is another big plus, but the downside is, you know, it costs a lot for us growers in the Midwest to ship them up there. It's, it's kind of a detriment.
2: Yeah. Um, you meant you talked a little bit about uh, grower networks, and I was wondering if you could uh, go into that a little bit more and just um, talk about some of the networks that you're involved in and kind of the pros and cons of, selling individually as opposed to being part of those
0: grower networks? Well, I mean, it's uh, really difficult to sell individually. I mean, uh, unless you're a really large producer, it's hard to approach, you know, even smaller companies because, uh, you know, the volume they desire. I mean, a lot of these processors have minimum runs that they that they will do. So it's uh, it's difficult to do that. And uh, it's so capital intensive uh like i mentioned we've been involved this is about the fourth group now that we've been involved with and like i said earlier i think the biggest downfall has been the lack of capital i mean they've just run out of money basically uh i think of the story of uh, linda resnick uh, with the palm wonderful i mean they were uh billionaires to start with and they dumped 25 million dollars into just promotion and uh, development so you know not very many people can afford to do that so by teaming together with other growers uh the group that i'm kind of aligned with now i mean there's you know a significant number of growers i mean we've all invested in the company and uh and they've got some other financial backing so they uh are in the process of developing some products but uh, it's just so expensive it takes a long time so but uh, it's It's looking better than it has and I know I think Dean is uh, affiliated with another group, maybe he can address uh, his experience.
1: Yeah, I mean it's, I've been trying to learn from other people's mistakes and and not invest a lot of money into uh, um, groups or organizations unless I see that they've got everything that they need to be successful and the group I'm in continues to grow. There's at least 30 growers that are involved in it. And I did not sell my berries last year, but we're all, we're also located in the center of the drought area that has hit the Midwest last year. So I wasn't too worried about it. But I also look for groups or, or we're looking for groups that had all of the um, requisite experiences. From being involved in the food industry to understanding processing to somebody that understands supply chain to somebody that understands the marketing side and the group that I'm associated with um, has six different principles that have that requisite background and so forth Um and they also are working with celebrities to get the endorsements, to also get the the cash involved. And they're also, they've set it up where the farmers own a piece of the company um, by signing a contract to supply their berries with them. Um, and it's, yeah, we will hit it eventually, but I, I'd say you got to be in it for the long haul and you've got to be able to say, okay, I'm not worried about it. It's something I believe in because of the health benefits. It is the super berry that I don't whether you're looking at just pure um, phytochemistries and it's uh, the oxygen uh, radical absorption capacity, it's number one versus all the other berries. If you're looking for the amount of anthocyanins, it's number one. If you're looking for the amount of resveratrol, it's number one. If you're looking for quercetin, it's number one. If you're looking for epicatechins, it's number one. So that's why I believe in the chemistries. Everything, I mean, we're, we're behind in terms of awareness, education and so forth, but if you look at the basics of the technology, it is the best that you can find that Mother Nature has made. It's now a matter of of us as growers to, to work with groups that are putting the pieces together that also believe in the berry that also have all the requisite uh, capabilities to make it a breakthrough and, and get it to the, the big markets.
2: Yeah, I, I wanted to ask about um, competition in the market from other superfood <clears throat> berries like elderberries. They seem to have been getting a fair bit of traction in the last few years. And how has that affected the markets for, for aronia's?
0: Well, yeah, elderberries, you know... <clears throat> they've been grown for a long time. People are well aware of their uh, of their health benefits. I mean, anytime you walk into a natural natural food store, I mean, elderberry. There's elderberry honey, elderberry gummies, elderberry syrup, elderberry juice. I mean, it's they've done a great job of uh, you know developing products, and you know most of those ingredients for those uh, are imported. I mean. <clears throat> Uh, you know, but we do have some advantages. I mean, elderberries have to be harvested by hand. They don't have uh, the ability to be harvested mechanically like erronea berries do. And they've uh, they've just done a great
1: job. But, I, you know, I, I would say, yeah, they, <laughs> whoever picked elderberry, though, I mean, I grew up uh, on the farm and we made elderberry jelly and, and jam and so forth. And it's a pretty nondescript berry but it was a royal pain because it's hard to harvest and it's to isolate it from all the stems and so forth. It's a really small berry. And I'm laughing. I, have you know, visited farmer's markets where they were selling Aronia, Aronia, excuse me, elderberry stuff. And I, I said, Hey, have you ever tried an Aronia berry? Because one, we're better from a health benefit standpoint of all the nutrients we've got in there. And two, it's a lot easier to grow and harvest than it is an elderberry. Um, it's, it's just, I, would laugh because they're doing a lot more work than, uh, somebody producing aronia berries has to do in order to get it into a product. Uh, so I, I think that inherent advantage is what's going to lead a switch in the market at some point. Mm-hmm.
2: Is, is there an opportunity there? I mean, with elderberries coming, coming on strong and, um, new products being <clears throat> developed to, to incorporate. Elders, um, yeah. Does that present an opportunity for aronia?
0: Well, the aronia industry has missed a huge opportunity here these last few years. I mean, of course, elderberry has long been known for its uh, help in with colds and uh, flu and so forth. Aronia is excellent for that as well. In fact, uh, I think one of the things we really need to capitalize on is—I mean, it's documented that Native Americans used aronia for that very purpose to fight colds and and flu. So, and they're native to America. So, and they're grown, you know, here and in the, in the Midwest and uh, the upper parts of the States. Uh, so I think we really need to capitalize on that. And one other thing uh, also, especially with uh, the last couple of years with COVID, you know, there's been studies done that, uh, you know, this is all in vitro in a lab, but you know, aronia juice has actually killed the uh, coronavirus, you know, in a lab situation. So, I mean, there's some tremendous opportunities, uh, you know, there. We really can't say too much yet because, you know, there haven't been enough studies done, but they're just, uh, you know, we're yeah, living. Think the,
1: yeah, the, 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 the big advantage we have is aronia, because of its antioxidant capabilities, it really does help Support the immune system. Um, so if you, whatever your health issues are, I mean, there, there's over or around a hundred articles just on heart health, cardiovascular. Um, there's a lot around gut health and so forth. But in reality, what it's doing, well, they, there's a lot of different mechanisms, but it really does support the immune system, which is what fights your COVID. Um, and I, I've been in a household that was ravaged by COVID. I I lost my mother-in-law to COVID. I've never gotten sick with COVID, even though I've been exposed to it multiple times. Now, is that because I constantly take aronia berries? I don't know. I mean, I've been hit with flu bugs and cold bugs and so forth, but I've not gotten COVID. But I think it's because I've done things to really strengthen my immune system.
2: Yeah, I was going to ask how the markets have changed in the last five years or so. And um, particularly in response to COVID, because um, I think you mentioned earlier that um, some of the markets fell through um, during COVID, um, which is maybe a little bit counterintuitive because um, some people may think that COVID would have would have helped the erroneous market. Um, can, can you just talk about how, how COVID has affected it and kind of what the what the trend has been in the last five years or so?
0: well you know we can't say too much uh, because there probably there hasn't been enough research done as far as uh, aronia preventing covid i would never go that far uh, because you know it but there are studies being done that shows i think this once that study was done in germany uh last year or so but of course that was just uh you know one study but i think dean's right it strengthens the immune system uh but you know, I think unfortunately the markets there still really is no market. So in that sense, things haven't changed. But as we've discussed, there's a couple of grower groups that have gotten into the mix now. I mean, they're well capitalized, and uh, you know can do the, the research and product development. And the promotion is is what's really been lacking. I mean, we can't afford as even as an association. Uh, you know, our numbers have dropped pretty significantly over the last number of years, just because there has been no viable market. But, you know, we just don't have the funds to do a, a large-scale nationwide promotion. And like I said, the berries really aren't there right now either to sustain that. But So it's uh, it's kind of slow going.
1: Well, I, I think in general, it, it, it hurt agritourism too because people were afraid to go out in public and so forth. And I think people are finally getting over that. So I expect agritourism to pick up. I know over the last three years, a number of food companies were doing the research and investigating Aronia for various uh, foods, additives, and so forth. So, I mean, it's not like the, the work behind the scenes wasn't happening. It, it was. It's, it just hasn't come to fruition yet. Um, I think our big biggest detriment when it comes to um, uh, selling berries is awareness, they mentioned. I mean, the, the Potawatomi Indians hundreds and hundreds of years ago were using these berries for colds and so forth. But nobody's aware of that. Um, and I, I think education is a big part of that. That requires marketing dollars. We don't have that. Um, but I, I think that that's coming along where because of the general health trends, people are more interested in healthy foods and so forth. Unfortunately, they're also interested in ready-to-eat, very convenient foods. And Aronia isn't a convenient, ready-to-eat food if you're buying the berries. You've got to process them. You've got to put them in something. You've got to cook them, whatever. And so we're really kind of dependent on the food industry getting to the point where they're delivering something to consumers that is, quote, healthy, uh, convenient, and meets the consumer's needs and awareness. Now, when you think about where's the market for people that really like healthy foods, you think Midwest, or not Midwest, you think West Coast, East Coast, et cetera. Those are where the, the really healthy messaging works uh, well. Um, and we're growing berries in the Midwest. So how do we reach the right consumer is a big question, too. And I think it comes through on a large scale, it comes through using the food industry to leverage uh, our message and to leverage our berries.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Can you just... know, I'm just, I just wanted to add one more thing about, you know, the marketing. I was affiliated also with uh, <clears throat> another group that had some products. They just sold like kind of in a, a direct marketing approach. And we, we, pass that on to a number of our friends and acquaintances and they tried the juice but you know this is not like taking a pill here in the states we're accustomed to taking a pill and seeing immediate results you know that really doesn't happen with the uh, you know a lot of these natural foods it just takes time for them to work in your body and the aronia berry affects pretty much every system in your body and people would try it for maybe a week or two and say oh i don't see any difference and quit taking it but You know, you've got to take it for, you know, three to four months, maybe before it varies with any individuals, but before you see any impact. And also, I mean, I eat berries every morning in a smoothie. I mean, they're just great for that and a great way to utilize them. But, you know, research has also shown that it stays in your bloodstream, the antioxidants for maybe three to four hours. And so it's really important to maybe take another shot, you know, later in the day. Uh, just to keep that going, and and per, speaking from personal experience, I saw a big difference then. Taking them in the morning, and then taking some more juice later in the day, uh, you know, it made another huge impact. So mm-hmm. people need to be patient and wait for yeah. the results.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there was a good uh, meta analysis done last year. Um, some researchers out of uh, Tennessee had had looked at. Over about 400 papers, they then uh, separated out about 25 clinical studies, and most of the research is in vitro or in vivo, but they looked at small, seven. uh, they they finally broke it down to seven small clinicals that were done, you know, double blind and so forth, proper clinical procedures, and they concluded that there was a clear um, blood pressure and total cholesterol benefit. And I'd encourage people to take a look at it. But personally, I I had a medical procedure done yesterday. And, yeah, I've had high blood pressure. And I had mentioned it. Well, when they got me on the the gurney and checked my blood pressure, it was 113 over 64. And it's been that way. It took me about nine months of taking a supplement every day. But it's made a huge difference on my high blood pressure and my total cholesterol. I've had high cholesterol my whole adult life and and now I'm down in the 150 to 160 range. Um and it, you know a part of it is a lifestyle change and but I taking aronia berries is part of that lifestyle change and it's made a difference for me. Um but I also believe it took 9 months at least before I got the to where I was feeling better, I was my mind was sharper um and my um uh, Blood uh, blood uh, chemistry was where it needed to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's, I think that's anything that takes is, is a chronic benefit is hard to convince consumers to stay with. And so you have to find a habit that's easy for you. I have freeze dried powder in capsules that I take. Dale does the, uh, um, the powder into the, or the berries into the smoothies. It's what fits with your lifestyle. And that's where we have to have a variety of products that, reach a broader range of consumers. But when you think about it, what's the percent of cons- adults in the U.S. that have heart problems or blood pressure problems? It's almost half of the U.S. adult population. Um, same with gut. And, and even though it doesn't get into your bloodstream and so forth uh, very, and stay there very long, y- your immune system, about half of it, is in your gut. And that you know the berries are there. Uh, the powder is there where it makes a long-term benefit um, on your immune system. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, ty- the types of claims, you know, we're not medical doctors and we're not clinicians, but I would say expect to take it over a period longer period of time to see benefits because it's chronic and it's got the chemistries that will do the work. You just have to stick with it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. and uh, you know we also need to do more from a research standpoint we need to be working with u.s universities versus universities all over europe and korea china and so forth most of the research is done outside the u.s
2: mm-hmm. yeah you, you touched on how uh poland is the world's largest producer of aronia's. um is does the u.s i assume that imports a lot of berries from poland does that uh, affect the markets here does that undercut Prices or how does that affect uh, production in the U.S.?
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, we as an association have tried to identify, you know, how many pounds are coming in or how much juice. Uh, One of the problems is aronia berries doesn't have its own individual category. It's just lumped in the category other berries. So it's hard to break that down and get accurate information to how much is coming in. But, you know, as, as Dean mentioned also earlier, uh, you know, when you can, uh, these big companies can, you know, buy it overseas, have it processed somewhere and, and bring it here. It's And I think the numbers that I recall, you know, imported juice or concentrate, whatever may be, you know, 25 to 30% of the price that, you know, domestic is so, you know, most manufacturers are going to jump on that. That's why, you know, we're really trying to stress, you know, grown in America uh, as part of the uh, promotional work that we do do, because uh, it's just uh, hard to overcome that uh, price advantage they have.
1: I think long term, though, I mean, I in, in some ways I'm a little bit different. I don't mind the competition or the supply chain because that may bridge the gap between our lack of supply and large companies actually getting into erronea. I think long-term because we have the advantage where we don't have to play uh, pay nearly as much for um, logistics or, or transportation as somebody that's producing it around the world or some other region of the world. We'll have an inherent advantages. Once we reach a certain scale, we don't have that advantage now because we don't have the scale. Um, But you know, if, large producer or large manufacturers want to get started, I don't care because I, I do believe in the American farmer long-term being able to outproduce produce uh, somebody halfway around the world.
2: I'm just wondering uh, what kind of strategies um, uh, producers in the U S can use to, to differentiate their berries from, from overseas berries. And specifically I'm wondering, is there, is there a market for organic
1: Dale's the right person to talk on that one.
0: Yeah, the you know, as was mentioned, you know, most of the people uh, who take Aronia are really interested in the health benefits and uh, the organic growth is part of that. I mean, uh, organic uh, of all crops has been growing tremendously over the last number of years. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, there is, uh, you know, people who specify they want organic berries, you know, I think that's really important, like at farmers markets and so forth and or at least try to minimize the, you know, the synthetic inputs you use as much as possible, which is kind of what we try to do. But, uh, you know, it's that's tough with organic. I mean, you know, there's, you know, wheat issues become, uh, you know, difficult. And uh, so, I mean, you need to you need to have a premium. There are some products, <clears throat> excuse me, coming. I think down the pike, as far as organic herbicides and and uh, pesticide treatments, but uh, they tend to be much higher uh, cost. So, yeah, it's uh, I think it's heading that direction, but uh, it's just hard to get there.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would say that the growers in Wisconsin have dealt with this on all of their other products too, where you know people want organic, but Producing things organically is a ton more work, and it's more difficult. And Japanese beetles love aronia berries um, because it's in the rose family. It's it's their palms just like apples and so forth. And that's where the Japanese Japanese beetles love to go. And I haven't seen an organic, including neem oil, that's all that effective over multiple seasons at controlling that. Um, but I would say, I, you know, I trust the farmers there because they're used to doing things with good agricultural practices uh, or with uh, their organic uh, certified practices that um, whichever way they go, they're being very um, ethical in how they're producing their berries and not going overboard with chemistries that they don't need to be. Because one, it's added cost. You're not going to do it unless you have to. Um, But, yeah, the farmers that are doing organic, they understand the issues and and they can deal with the organic aronia berries just like they do with organic cranberries or blueberries or any other fruit, small fruit crop.
0: You know, I just read an article uh, just in the last couple of days about the blueberry industry. Uh, This particular article stated that they spray an average of seven times a year for pesticides. I mean, the aronia industry is nowhere near that. I mean, you yep. may have to spray once for Japanese beetles, and that varies from year to year. And uh, SWD, or spotted wing drosophila, is another one that uh, is really bad for blueberries. But the aronia has a tougher skin. It's harder for them to to penetrate to lay those eggs. So, I mean, that uh, we've set traps out. And, I mean, we've seen a few, but really not to the extent that you really need to spray. But... So I guess that's one advantage uh, too that also uh, is there with aronia. It doesn't <laughs> require there that intensive of a of a spray program
1: if yeah, I, I sprayed once 2 years ago and twice this year and you know it's it's around the end of June, mid July and that's it and you're going to harvest um uh, 6 to 8 weeks later. Uh so it, it, Dale's right. It, it the, it's a hardy crop. There's not very many pests um so there it's pretty easy to grow and pretty easy to uh prevent pests from uh, overwhelming your uh, production.
2: Uh, are there actually markets for certified organic berries?
0: Well, you know, it's <clears throat> I would say, you know, yes and no, people want that but uh and some of these uh, groups are willing to pay more more organic for the reasons that we've just discussed, but, uh, you know, now most people, uh, I think would take either, you know, because of the limited uh, pesticide that is used, but, you know, definitely there is a trend towards more organic.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, so just thinking about Wisconsin in particular, and, you know, what, what would you say to somebody who is, interested in growing aronia berries on their farm, they maybe, you know, know a little bit about them, uh, want to expand into some alternative crops, have a few acres. Um, Yeah. What would you, what would you tell them as they're, you know, exploring aronia um, and just how to approach, you know, at what scale to grow at and what kind of preparation they should be doing before actually putting the plants in the ground?
0: Well, I think I, Wisconsin is ideally s- suited. Uh, <clears throat> Wisconsin tends to be more small farms, I guess, than here in the Midwest, per se. You know, there are more small farmers up there. Uh, you know, a lot of dairy, so they, you know, may have a few acres they can produce them. Uh, you know, aronia, probably one of the biggest threats is a late freeze, you know, like when they're blooming. That's, we don't experience it often here. And I'm not sure if it's really been a problem with Wisconsin, but uh, seeing how it's naturally colder up there, that might be more of an issue. But uh, they tend to flower later than most other plants, so that's kind of to their benefit. And we've already talked about the processing and storage facilities. Uh, So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Wisconsin would be a great place.
1: Yeah, Um, well, and they're self pollinating You don't have to worry about the bees and so forth for the most part. Um, but I would say step one, go, go visit somebody that's growing erroneous. Every aronia grower that I've ever met has been more than willing to give advice, to talk about their experiences and so forth, good and bad, to share what works, what doesn't work. And the, the other thing I'd say besides go and talk to somebody that has experience is don't expect to put it on a field that, or someplace where uh, it was lousy for corn and soybeans. So, I'm going to plant this stuff. No, it, it they require good soil just like anything else if you want good production. So um, make sure you get some experience. Find out what your soil chemistry is. Um, if you've got a fairly alkaline soil, you're going to have to adjust the pH down. Um, and make sure it's not compacted soil and so forth. So if you need to go um, you know, plow the field or whatever to loosen up the soil to get it aerated and so forth, so be it but um i would make sure one you're putting in a good place you you talk to people about what is their practices over a year i mean what are they doing in january and february to plan ahead to get the right chemicals to get the fertilizer and so forth what are they doing when um you know are they trimming the bushes when it's dormant and so forth in the february march time time frame so when the buds break then what are they doing when do they start putting uh, or start working on weed control? When are they putting the mulch, the fertilizer down? When are they spraying for uh, the spotted wing Dysrophila dis- or the Japanese beetles and so forth? If that's a problem in Wisconsin, I don't know if it's gone that far north. Um, and then, you know, we tend to look at bricks, so the sugar content, the pH. And we look at the grow degree days um, bef- so we know when we're going to harvest the berries. We want a certain brick, if at all possible, and that requires a certain grow de- degree day. So where do they get that information for their location? I know where to get it for Iowa because I can go to the Iowa State website and find it uh, for literally uh, the weather stations that are within a few miles of my farm. Um, so it, it's kind of like understand what a, what's the season look like. What are the activities you've got to do throughout the year? Um, Just so you know what you're getting into and then plan for the long term. It may take another three to five years before the market takes off. We don't know, but we're in it for ourselves, for our own health benefits. We're in it because we believe it's going to take off in the future because of what it provides to the consumer. Um, And that's why we're in the, the groups that we're in, um, because we're trying to work together. It's not that some other farmer is going to cause me to lose share. It's that other farmer is going to help me get to the volumes or us to the volumes where it's going to take off because consumers are now aware of what the product is and the health benefits it provides.
0: You know, another thing I would really stress in in that regard is get aligned with one of these grower groups now.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: You know, you may not be producing, you know, it takes, probably 4 years before you're going to have significant production but get aligned with one of these groups now so when the time comes as the market grows they're ready to take your berries when uh, yours come into production uh, don't wait until they're ready to harvest and then try to find somebody but make contact with them now get on their list uh, you know so they're aware of what uh, of what you have
1: Yeah, and they may have farmers already uh, associated with them near you where you can share equipment or share, you know, if you both have to rent a harvester or a reefer to, to, you know, get your berries to a cleaning facility, it's great to plan ahead and make those connections so that when it is time, you can help them and they can help you. And I mean, this September, I was going down to, you know, I was driving an hour to help another farmer uh, harvest his berries because you need hands on deck to, to help move the, uh, the totes and so forth or to, to get things moved from one location to another just so the harvesting is um, efficient and you can get the, the berry totes onto pallets, onto the, uh, the, the refrigerated trailer so that it can get off t- or quickly to the uh, processing plant. So it's, it's not how much you have by yourself. It's how much you can do with somebody else to get started and get going. Mm -hmm.
2: So as we kind of wrap things up, um, I'm wondering, given that Aronia's take three to four plus years to really start producing um, for somebody, for a producer entering into uh, Aronia production, now they're going to kind of have to, or they're going to want to know where where the markets are going to be five years from now. Do you have any idea um, what, what those will look like? What's your prediction?
0: (laughs) That's really difficult to say. We planted our berries in the fall of 2009 and people were telling us, boy, your timing is great. You're going to catch it right as it comes mainstream. Well, we're still waiting, you know, after, uh, you know, 12 12 years. So, but like we've discussed, I mean, I think things look better now than they ever have. I mean, these people that are involved now have the financing and the backing uh, and the staff to to make it successful. So, but uh, it's, if we get the funds to promote it and do a good job there and increase awareness, you know, I think it will be successful, but it's kind of hard to predict right now
1: yeah well the other nice thing about this berry i mean it's it's a perennial but i i've seen a fields where the the family was in agritourism they've been in it for 30 plus years and they showed me a field that the bushes have been in the ground for 30 years and they looked like they were four to five year old bushes because you can go in i mean the canes or the the, the stalks, whatever you want to call it um when they get too thick you're going to either prune them off or at some point, say 10 years down the line, you're going to mow them off. They'll come back. They come back very quickly. And so, yeah, you take a certain percentage of your bushes out of production every year. Once you, you know, they, they've grown, but it's not like you have to reinvest in, in new bushes every 10 years. If you're properly tr- uh, pruning and trimming and keeping up with things, you can have these bushes around 30 to 50 years, no problem the bushes are already you know sunk costs your, your cost from year to year is going to be your your chemicals your your labor and your harvesting
2: mm-hmm. yeah so i i just wanted to give you an opportunity to to make a plug for the american aronia berry association too and and also um Give a little more detail on what what the benefits of membership are, and what you do as an organization, and um, what uh, what kinds of things members can get out of that their membership.
0: Well, initially, when the when I joined the the association or started growing aronia, the big emphasis was on uh, you know growing practices, fertilization, you know, as Dean talked about what to do when. Uh, but it's now it's kind of shifting to uh, increasing a market awareness and educating the public about the benefits of Aronia. So, I mean, that's kind of re- where we're really at now. We uh, uh, Dean is our research uh, person. Uh, I mean, he gets articles all the time about the health benefits of Aronia. We uh, send them out, you know, on a monthly, bi-monthly basis uh, to the membership so they can go to the website and see these studies. Uh, We also hold a conference every year, typically in March, where we have outside speakers come in on, uh, you know, a variety of topics, either growing uh, practices, uh, you know, marketing, uh, you know, different research people. So, I mean, we try to have a good program there that's beneficial to our members, and uh, it's a good time to meet with other growers and uh, discuss, uh, you know, issues you're having with them. Uh, So, it's...
1: Yeah, and all those old conference talks that, you know, whether, you know, if you're new and you want to learn about growing or maintenance or, you know, insect control and so forth, those are all available to members. And the, the scientific articles you can go on, in on our website under research, there's 20 plus tabs of, you know, whether it's cardiovascular, um, immune, uh, endocrine system, whatever it is, you can click on it and see all the latest publications. I update that. Uh, about once a month. Uh, the the board members, we also interact globally. We have people from, well, last year we had from Turkey and Poland come and talk at our conference. I gave a, a talk at the, the Polish conference via Zoom in, in uh, September and I've been asked to go back to their conference again next year. And that global connection also we bring in and we're cross, cross-fertilizing people with ideas about how to do things better, how to create a market, what are the products we can use. And so the the benefits um, just is a lot of education connections and and helping synergistically drive awareness uh, across the population.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the America Aronia Berry Association was formerly the Midwest Aronia Association. Is your is your membership then primarily concentrated in the Midwest or is it all over the country or?
0: We've got members in uh, Iowa is uh, the largest state. There was a there's been a lot of work done at Iowa State, uh, you know, in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, There's also Nebraska. We've got members in, uh, you know, South Dakota, North Dakota, Illinois, uh, Kansas, Missouri. So it's we're it's primarily in the Midwest. But, uh, you know, we get uh, I guess I'm surprised that the emails that come into the association. I mean, they can be you know, they've come from all over a little bit of them, even some internationally. Mm-hmm.
2: Great. Well, um, thank you, Dale and Dean so much for joining us. Um, is there, just want to give you an opportunity to say any last comments about Aronia, any, any final words?
0: Well, I just appreciate your reaching out to us, Stefan. Uh, I mean, it's been a great opportunity for us to, uh, you know, get the word out about Aronia and, uh, you know, hopefully uh, your podcast will help in that regard. So thank you.
1: Yeah. And my last word would be our motto, better berry, better life. Brought
2: to you by the University of Wisconsin-Madison, Division of Extension.